0: This is Psych, Wine, and Pop Culture, a podcast brought to you by two best friends, Kristen and Heather. Join us for a glass of wine, providing a psychological perspective on popular TV shows
1: and movies and candid conversations about mental health. This podcast is not meant to replace or supplement medical advice from a health practitioner. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only. It's fall. And you know what that means. <laughs> Pumpkin spice lattes. PSLs. So when did
0: you, have you had your first PSL yet? Yes, I actually had it today. Um, because the temperature dropped. It's been really weird in Texas. It's been kinda hot this past week. It was like in the nineties and you're just like, what the hell? Like I thought it was supposed to be fall and so I wasn't gonna have a PSL when it was super hot. And so today temperature dropped, I was like, you know what? It's a Friday. I'm going to go
1: have my first PSL. And it was
0: delicious.
1: You know, that's like a milestone in October, you know, whenever you can get your PSL on. Mine was yesterday. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Yeah, it is like a milestone of of fall. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing
0: that is also fall-ish is that early voting has begun in both Texas and California which is where I'm at in Texas, Heather's in California. So that's why we brought up those states. But we are are very excited to cast our ballot soon. So if you haven't already, just go ahead and look up your stuff, see where you can go, what all the regulations are in your area, because this is a super, super important election. I mean, they're always important, but this one is just, it's vital. So go out there and vote, people and figure out like if your job allows you to leave work or whatever arrangements you have to make to participate
1: because it's super, super important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, educate yourself, do your research. You know, there's probably some people that you may not have heard of in the ballot. So, you know, just do your research so you know what actually you're going to be voting for. Yes, exactly.
0: So now that we've gotten those things out of the way, we have a really fun episode. We're trying to make October... Fun. We've had a lot of intense topics lately. So, you know, Halloween is one of me and Heather's favorite, favorite days of the year. We wanted to do some really fun topics. So, today we're talking about thrill seeking and phobias.
1: Yes, I'm so excited. But how is this not intense? Just asking. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess whenever we're talking about
0: anything psychological, it's always going to be intense. But these are like, I mean, they're kind of fun. They're interesting things. I mean, I think that a lot of people may not exactly wonder these things about these things like actively, but I've always wanted to learn about phobias, certain phobias. Some are really interesting and very unique. I mean, I'm sure that the Mm -hmm. person experiencing them probably doesn't see it that way. But Um, They're interesting to learn about. And then also just the very act of thrill-seeking, you know, around Halloween, we're always specifically searching for things to scare us, whether it's like, we're going to a haunted house to get terrified by strangers, or we're watching horror movies, which we know is gonna scare us. And then we're like dressing up in scary costumes and you see all this stuff, and it's like something we almost we celebrate. So I, I wonder like why, you know, people enjoy
1: getting scared so much. I think that's an amazing question. And we're going to answer that today.
0: Yay, I'm so excited. I know you probably have a bunch of research to share with us. And you always
1: back mm-hmm. up our questions <laughs> with, with really good research. Thank you. Thank you. So as Kristen stated, she had an amazing question. Why do people willingly seek out scary experiences for fun? So surprisingly, I did find some research in this area. There's a lot of research in here, but one of the ones that I thought was the most interesting was looking at people who go to haunted houses, which I've done before. I don't know about you. (laughs) Are are you a haunted house junkie? (laughs) You know, I
0: used to be, but now I'm too scared to go. I mean, there's COVID, but also now that I'm older, I Mm -hmm. realize like, what if I go into a haunted house and somebody got in there who wants to kill people like Real and just dressed up to match like who all the other people that were in there, like that's really scary to me. And then you think it's a joke, but it's someone who's
1: really trying to take your life, yeah. That when you told me that, I got super paranoid, but anyways, (laughs) um, that is something to think about, of course. So, this um, research that I found with haunted houses, they were looking at two different types of people, they were looking at your adrenaline junkies, so people who like to get scared, they feed off of that, they get like that high off of getting scared, and then also another type of person, which is a fear avoider. So, these people, they like to get scared, but they tend to keep their emotion at a minimal level. So, I'll give you guys some examples of that. But another thing also that was mentioned as well is that there's virtual reality horror games where people who are actively participating in that game, they tend to have more fear. So virtual reality is like you're immersed in that environment. And of course, if you're immersed in that environment, you're more likely to have, you know, scary feelings or feel like in fear for your life, which is similar to a haunted house. You know, haunted house, you're emerged into that setting or whatever it is, basically.
0: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you're in it and you're probably being chased and scared and it's like
1: a whole thing. hmm <laughs> Mm-hmm. hmm And I thought some people would may want to know, but what are some personality traits related to thrill seeking? So one of the major ones is openness. So being open to new experiences, people who um, enjoy social situations as well, and then also sensation seeking. So that's going back to like that adrenaline junkie type of characteristic. Mm -hmm. I would say I fall into the openness category. How about you?
0: I think so. More of the openness. I don't actively search for things that are, you know, sensation seeking. Like you said, I don't actively search for um, experiences that will give
1: me adrenaline, but I like new experiences. Agreed. However, you know, I've met people specifically also my husband. He's definitely a cessation seeker. He's someone who will go skydiving on a dime. He's someone that likes to go running. He's definitely that sensation seeker, which I am totally not. I'm more open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you have skydived. Yeah, that was pure pressure. I did not want to do it. I was so scared. I almost had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you feel like after you were done when you like landed on the ground? The worst part is the anticipation for sure. And then, you know, when you jump out of the plane, it's kinda like you're immersed in it and you're like, Well, here I am. I'm falling like fifteen thousand feet and it's fun. And then when you're on the ground, you feel that yeah, that adrenaline. I know what people talk about now. You feel like you can like punch somebody, like do a cartwheel, like you're just <laughs> like, Woo And it's like it kinda like a roller coaster. You ever feel like happy after a roller coaster? Well yeah. You're like, I did it. I lived through it. <laughs> I would say it's like ten times much more intense with skydiving. Damn. Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm trying to think of some scary stuff
0: that I like. I mean, I already told you how I feel about haunted houses now. I used to like them, but <laughs> <laughs> I think now I I'm more into scare watching scary stuff. Like I love true crime. Um, but mm-hmm. so I think that's why I kind of enjoy like American horror story and I'm going through this phase where I'm watching all the seasons through and you've seen them all so it's really fun to talk about them with you and like mm-hmm. we were going to we're going to talk about Nurse Ratched on our next episode and I I flew through that so I think just
1: watching stuff on TV or watching movies for now is like good for me. I would totally agree with you, especially with American Horror Story. There's like a lot of scenes or a lot of episodes where I'm like, what the hell is going (laughs) to happen? You're just so out of like suspense in your seat. So definitely I could totally see that. So the next thing I'm going to share is some interesting research on haunted houses and how people respond or cope to these scary situations. So In this research, they basically found that there's two types of ways that people respond in haunted houses. One of those ways is antecedent strategies, which basically means that you prepare yourself for the scary event. So either you are looking down because you know that something scary is going to jump out in front of you, or also you're telling yourself before you go into it, okay, it's not real. It's not real. (laughs) So you're preparing your mind. Okay. I'm going to be okay when I go through this haunted house and people jump out at me. Yeah, except now that I don't, I don't actually think that anymore. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh-huh. It's still a little scary for me, I would think. Um, the other type of response is actually called response focus strategies where when you're in the moment, you're kind of emotionally responding to the situation that's scary. So you're telling yourself, keep calm. You know, don't show that person that you're scared. Because if you notice, I, I notice this in haunted houses, when they know you're scared, they target you more. Oh, yeah. Like if you're screaming, the the girls that scream are, are the ones that they target the most for sure. Exactly. And some other examples of response focus is, you know, staying close to your friends, you know, holding each other's hands and just being close with one another. So I would definitely say I've done that too, especially if I'm going out with girls to a haunted house. We're definitely like holding hands, you know, making sure we don't get separated. Yes, the
0: worst is when you get separated. That's happened before. Um, Oh, Oh, the
1: the last one not with my grip.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The last (laughs) one we went to was that one was really scary. So it was like a it was it was a maze full of mirrors, right? And you just Mm. could not find a way out. And I was scared. I'm like, what if there's like a fire? How the fuck are we gonna get out? And so I was with my mom and my brother you know my brother i I, he's three years older than me i think he knows everything and it was just a moment for me when i realized like my brother is not always smarter than me because i thought (laughs) if i can't find my way out of here it's okay my brother will know how to get us out of here and he was lost he he had no freaking clue and i'm the one who ended up getting us out of there but we were stuck in there for like 20 minutes and you you're not supposed to take that long
1: in there Uh uh-huh that's super scary. I don't know. Just you tell me about it. I got like a little like chest pain <laughs> like trying yeah. to visualize that. And, you know, there's like, like being little able...
0: there's like monsters walking around everywhere. And so finally, you know, one of them tried to pop out and scare me. And I was like, look, dude, how the fuck do we get out of here? Can you just be real with me for a second? Like, I need to know how to get out of here. And he was like, oh, oh, well, uh, he just broke character. And he was like, yeah, uh, just go this way, this way, and then you'll be out. I was like, okay, thank you. I'm glad you he broke
1: character. Jeez, what if he didn't?
0: <laughs> Ugh, that'd well, be terrible. Then he'd be one of those real people that I was telling you about. That you don't know if they're an actual psycho that's in there trying to kill everybody. Ugh, that's scary. Now All I just right. ruined haunted houses for everyone.
1: <laughs> you know what? Everybody's taste their own. If you like them, if you don't like them, you know this is just something that some people like, and I kind of like them. But I think as you get older, it becomes a little bit more realistic as to what are some things that could happen that we don't think about you know yeah exactly yeah one other thing i wanted to share is that when we're talking about how people respond to those scary situations typically people who respond with that antecedent strategy so they prepare themselves that tends to be more effective in the long run When it comes to coping with scary situations versus response focus um usually it's more something that you do in the real moment but it's not like a long-term coping skill according to research
0: i think that makes sense in any kind of hard or challenging situation
1: that you are coming across really i agree yeah anything you know if it's stressful situation anything like that if you're always responding to things you're not really preparing yourself or you're not really problem solving you're just responding So I could definitely see that. Mm -hmm. So now that we talked about scary experiences
0: as a form of entertainment, there are actually some real phobias out there, things that people experience, and it's not for fun when they get scared. So Mm -mm. (laughs) I... I can't wait for you to talk about this and define what phobias are, and we're going to go over a few, too, that you may or may not
1: have heard of. So before we get started with that, I think it's probably important to define what a phobia is. And actually, there's different types of phobias, like Kristen said, but a phobia is a condition where someone has a fearful or anxious response related to an object, a situation, a person.
0: That can be really intense. Do they get to that point where
1: it's, like, debilitating? Are they all like that? Are they all all phobias like that? It's a spectrum um, from what I was doing with research. You know, some people, you know, it's very debilitating where, you know, they're so afraid of getting into situations that they cannot escape. So sometimes it's so debilitating that they don't want to leave their house. Wow. Like, just going to the grocery store could be, like, a situation where they perceive that they may not be able to escape from. So they just kind of avoid all situations in a sense. And
0: what is like the most minimal impact that a phobia can have?
1: I would say the minimal impact would be that if you're so psychologically or emotionally aroused that you have a panic attack, like let's say when I see a spider and I have a panic attack every time I see one, I mean, that's still debilitating, but it's not as severe as someone who can't leave their house in a sense. But if
0: you are, like, if you have a phobia, that means it's going to be intense no matter what. It'll Mm -hmm.
1: vary, but even – it's still going to be intense. It's going to be intense varying on the person, the situation, so many different factors. And do you get diagnosed
0: with phobias? Like, when you go to therapy, do you go to therapy because you have a phobia? Like, is is this in the diagnostic manual you always tell us about where all those conditions are? Psychological
1: (laughs) conditions? (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yes. So the DSM-5, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. So in there, you actually can be diagnosed with phobias. So they, they break it down into different levels. But whenever you have a specific phobia, it's specific to like an object or a specific situation versus there's more like generalized ones like agoraphobia is when you're afraid of situations that you can't escape from. Mm. And that could be like all situations. So it's a little bit more generalized.
0: Wow. I mean, so it's a lot more complicated than people think. Like, you know. Definitely. There's a huge difference of just being
1: generally scared of something or actually having a phobia. hmm No, you made a good point. You know, some people, it could be like where you freeze and you're not able to do anything or like you're avoiding any situation. Like some people could be so afraid of spiders, for example, that they also don't want to leave their home. You know what I mean? So it could also be debilitating in that sense as well. Wow. But, you know, there is treatment for it. Um, you do go to therapy if you have, like, this fear that of anything. So that any phobia that you may have and it's, you know, causing you stress or causing you problems, you know, in your relationships or at work, you know, you could receive treatment for it. And it does require you to be exposed to the fear, which is crazy. Being microdosed. With your fear, like, coming to terms with it so you can overcome it. You know, it's interesting. I used to think it was, like, you slowly expose yourself to that fear. So let's say I'm afraid of spiders. Like, I slowly expose myself, and then over time, I'll become a little bit desensitized. I used to think that was the best way because that's what I learned in my psychology classes. But then, like, newer research, new books came out, and they say that the better treatment is to fully expose the person to the to the actual situation and teach them how to relax in those really stressful or those fear-provoking situations, which is kind of the opposite of what I thought. I think mm-hmm. ones that I have heard about, you already mentioned fear of
0: spiders, arachnophobia. I think mm-hmm. everybody knows like claustrophobia, fear of mm-hmm. confined or crowded spaces. A lot of people say, I'm claustrophobic, I'm claustrophobic. But it's like, are you really claustrophobic? Or do you just not like people being so
1: close to you? You know what I mean? Oh, I see what you're saying. You know what a good example of that is? Huh. You'll know if you're claustrophobic if you're stuck in an MRI machine.
0: Oh, yeah. Or that's
1: claustrophobia <laughs>
0: or you're getting any kind of scan, any kind of body scan because you are
1: mm-hmm.
0: like in this little tube and you can't move and yeah. And then there are other ones that I know are phobias, but I just don't know what they're called. So like fear of heights, acrophobia, fear of flying aerophobia i know that people are scared of heights or flying they're really common of that but i just i don't know i didn't know what they were actually called or like fear of blood lots of people are scared of blood hemophobia there are mm-hmm. other ones that you listed that like i'd never heard of or i didn't know it was possible to develop a phobia from those things so i'm i'm not gonna peek anymore i think you might want to quiz me on what these are so i'm gonna just not scroll anymore on our outline okay all right close your
1: eyes Okay. Quiz time. Okay. <laughs> All right. What is chiroptophobia? Chiroptophobia? Mm-hmm. Well,
0: chiro, could, like chiropractor, so maybe something Ooh. having to do with
1: bones or back, um, being scared okay. of you breaking your back. That's really interesting. It's actually fear of bats. Yeah. <laughs> when you said, I thought you said it for a second, but then you said back, and I was like, whoa. But... I can see that. Chiropractor, fear, afraid of your chiropractor. That's a really good one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Let's do another one. How about chlorophobia?
0: Chloro, maybe like chlor- chlorophyll. Thinking like plants. Maybe you're
1: scared of plants. You're so smart. Like that totally makes sense. But unfortunately, that's wrong. It's fear of clowns. Fear of clowns? Yeah. Wow. Okay. All right. <laughs> let me let me give you a okay we're gonna switch it up a little bit i'm gonna give her an easy one and see if she gets it bogey phobia bogey phobia dude i don't know you're afraid of the boogeyman <laughs> yeah <That's> really <laughs> fear of the boogeyman mm-hmm. Wow. and we'll do another we'll do another easy one maskophobia fear of masks yeah, I think that was interesting because could you imagine if someone is truly afraid of masks like that, and during Halloween, it must be the worst time of the year for them? During COVID. Oh my gosh, COVID too. Yeah. So That's t- terrible. Ugh. That fucking <laughs> yeah. sucks. Okay. All right, I'm going to give you a couple more. How about selenophobia? Selenophobia? Uh, fear of
0: skeletons. Fear of skeletons. Okay. That's interesting. Like,
1: I guess you could never take anatomy class. That's true, right? Or do anything like that. Or even maybe the doctor's office could be scary because they always have, like, you know, pictures of your skeletal structure and things like that. (laughs) That's true. All right. So here's some other phobias as well. Daemonophobia is fear of demons, which, honestly, um, that would be one that I would be truly scared of. So necrophobia, fear of dead things. Nyctophobia, fear of the dark. Phasmophobia, fear of ghosts. Placophobia, fear of tombstones. Samhanophobia, fear of Halloween. Sanguriophobia, fear of vampires. I feel like I have to say that with an accent.
0: <laughs> like with a Romanian accent? Or... Yeah. <laughs> Wait. Sang- or
1: something. Sanguivorophobia. I think that's how you say it. Sanguivorophobia. <laughs> yeah. Terophobia, fear of monsters and finally wicca fear of witches that makes sense see totally that, right i could have
0: guessed that one
1: that one yeah i think you could have you could have guessed that one that's true
0: well we kind of brought this up a little bit but how do people get evaluated to determine like whether or not
1: they have a phobia so obviously, it's up to the person if they're, you know, going to their medical doctor and telling them what's going on, or, you know, a mental health professional, they're going to tell them what's going on. And they're going to look at, you know, the DSM-5 criteria as far as how big of an impact is this phobia for this person. So these symptoms of fear, anxiety, they have to be present for at least six months before diagnosing a phobia. That's so specific, six months. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And it has to be related to whatever that fear response is for that person. So anytime, like, they see a spider or a clown, they have immediate anxiety, a fearful response, and it occurs every single time. And because they're so afraid of it, they typically avoid situations that have anything to do with it. And it causes them to have, you know, sometimes impairment, like, in social situations where, like, they don't want to go out or... They can't hang out with friends or they're not able to work effectively because they're constantly worrying about that phobia they may have. Mm -hmm. So that's basically it. And, you know, specific phobias can be anything from animals or it could be like the environment. So being afraid of the ocean, being afraid of the forest, or it can be related to situations like getting your blood drawn or having an illness, be on an airplane. So there's many different types of phobias. And finally, just to go into a little bit more detail, there's four components of how a professional who diagnoses someone with a phobia may look at certain factors that the person's experiencing. One of those is their subjective fears. So how distressed is the person? Um, How are they emotionally whenever they're exposed to that specific object or event? Mm -hmm. Number two, cognitions. So how they think, what are the beliefs about that particular object? So I would say, for example, let's say like if I was afraid of clowns and I thought that um, a clown was going to show up at the grocery store and therefore I didn't go to the grocery store because I thought a clown was going to be there, it's kind of rare, right? I would say that's kind of irrational. Yeah. I mean, it could it could happen, but is it like 100%? No. So looking at the person's thinking patterns to see if they're rational or irrational. Mm-hmm. Number three is physiological responses. So obviously... If you're very afraid of, you know, clowns, spiders, fear of heights, you're going to have a physiological response. You're probably going to be sweating, your blood pressure is going to rise. You're going to be, you know, feeling very agitated in some cases, and that all has to do back to how you're responding to that fear.
0: Yeah, like your nervous system's just going to be shot. It's going to be like way overstimulated.
1: Exactly. And I would say this kind of reminds me of like a panic attack, right? Mm-hmm. If you are deathly afraid of you know, ghost, and you go into a full blown panic attack, obviously, that's going to be your heart rate, you might have chest pain, you start breathing faster. So I think that's kind of what that's related to. And then finally, number four, behavioral responses. So this has to do with like, if you avoid all situations, um, you act out, you're very irritable towards others because of that excessive fear that you have. And that's it. Well, this has been a very
0: enlightening topic. I've always wanted to know how people are diagnosed with a phobia, you know, because oftentimes I feel like phobias are really downplayed with the way that we talk about them. Mm -hmm. Like I have a deathly fear of being stuck in an elevator. Yeah, but you still use them and, you know, you probably don't avoid them at all costs. Somebody who has an actual fear of that probably would never, ever even walk into one. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm like, in a way, like, I'm glad that you brought out this information. I feel like people could find it useful. And again, you know, just be compassionate whenever you hear about things like this, or now that people might know about
1: it a little bit more, they could be just a little bit more aware of it. And I like that you shared that with us. Well, thank you for wrapping that up. You know, it is true. You know, yeah, we're all afraid of things. But You know, it gets to a level for some people where it is debilitating, and I love that you brought up just having compassion for these people, because, you know, I think in media, we do tend to downplay these things as well, so (laughs) thank you.
0: (laughs) But everybody, like, enjoy your your thrill-seeking activities, your haunted houses, of course, be safe, you know, we are still in a pandemic, but have fun out there. This is Halloween, I know it's like a little different now because of the pandemic, but I still feel like we could have a lot of fun during Halloween, and I really enjoy seeing how other people enjoy this particular day of the year, so
1: I'm still going to have fun in the ways that I can. Me too, me too. I plan to watch a scary movie marathon, so that's going to be my little thing that I do with my family. Oh, that's fun.
0: (laughs) So be on the lookout. Our next episode is going to be covering the Netflix series Ratchet, starring Sarah Paulson. If you love American Horror Story, you're a fan of Ryan Murphy, this will be your shit. It will be your jam. This is such a good show. Yes. (laughs) We love it. We can't wait to talk about all the mental health conditions in this series. And we will be covering all of that next time. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to our show on whatever listening platform that you are on. We're on Pandora, we're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on more these days than we were when we first started this podcast, so please hit subscribe and share our podcast with any of your friends, because chances are if you love this podcast, they will too. And follow us on social media, we're on Instagram at psychwinepop, and you can also email us if you have any suggestions for future episodes at psychwinepop at gmail.com.
1: Yes, thank you. We love suggestions. Until next time. This podcast is not meant to replace or supplement medical advice from a health practitioner. This podcast is meant for educational purposes only.